Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. To prepare the ground, to, to be in preparation for what we know is coming. And what's that? An attack. You know, the enemy is moving around like a roaring lion looking for those he might devour. And so a lot of times we kind of forget that. And so we end up, you know, fighting battles that we really shouldn't have to fight. In other words, we're in hand-to-hand combat when we should have been lobbing artillery well in advance to prepare for the battle. And it's easy to do. It's easy for us to get caught up in things in life and forget. So I want to talk about proactive protection in prayer today. And I'm going to be using Psalm 91 as our text. What a wonderful psalm. And I want to read through it very quickly here. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will not tread on the lion and the cobra, and you will not trample, I'm sorry, you will Let me back up. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Wow, that's pretty complete, isn't it? It goes from the, the idea of the, the, the simplest fears that we may struggle from our basic sh- need of shelter to our concern regarding what happens to us after we die. It's the most, one of the most complete psalms that you can find when you think in terms of God's protection. It's a psalm that I have used all of my Christian days, especially when I learned how to use it in a very practical way, and I want to teach you that today. So when we talk about proactive protection in prayer, what are we really talking about? Number one, we ask the question. So I'm going to ask a question, and we're going to let Psalm 91 answer it for us. Number one, who can be protected by God? Who? Well, it says right there in Scripture, whoever dwells, whoever dwells. And what is dwelling? When we think of dwelling, of course, you may know what that is right off the bat. The dwelling is, of course, where we live. But he's talking more about just physical presence, isn't he? He's not just talking about, well, I live in Roanoke Rapids, or I live on Hamilton Street, or I live here. No, no, no. He's talking about where do you spend your what? Your time. Where do you camp your life? 
And that's key. Because when you really examine your life and you really think about where you dwell, then that's really what Psalm 91 is talking about here. Where do you live? Where, where does your mind spend, spend most of its time camping and dwelling? What are you ever dwelling on? And that word is actually used when we think in terms of what we're thinking about. What are we dwelling on? What are we thinking about? It really is somewhat of a residence when we think of it in those terms. So whoever dwells, what does the scripture say? Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Okay? So dwelling in that place, it's talking about our connection to God himself. And it's not a motel stop, but a place where we live. In other words, it's not something we, we frequent only every once in a while. When we think in terms of the kind of dwelling that Psalm 91 is talking about, that, in other words, it creates an opportunity for us. It's, it's what qualifies us, if you will. It's going to be where we spend our life. It's not infamiliar. It is familiar or unfamiliar. It's something that we're familiar with. It's, it's, we've got a key to the door. We know how the furniture is arranged. It's our dwelling. It's our place. It smells of home. It looks of home. When we think in terms of beginning in prayer, it, it's, it's funny that sometimes I find Christians who are unfamiliar with prayer. They're not when they begin to pray, pray, they become uncomfortable because it's not what? A dwelling place. It's not a place they've spent time. And so when we talk about, now, now follow this, because you can just, we can't just read Psalm 91 and just say, okay, I read it, amen. I receive it. Because as we go through this, other questions are going to come to your mind. You're going to just say, well, Pastor David, that all sounds good, and I believe that, but I have not experienced the measure of protection that this psalm is talking about. And naturally, we would ask, why? Why am I not being as protected? Why do I not feel like I'm under the shadow of his wings sometimes? Why do I not feel like, you know, I'm in the shelter? Man, sometimes, yeah, you're in a shelter, all right. You're in a broken down piece of wood out in the middle of nowhere. And you're wondering why the wind just comes through and people just take your stuff and you just feel like, this is no shelter. I mean, there's a, there might be something on top of my head, but man, I just feel like the enemy's coming and going and taking my stuff. What's up with that? But the Bible here tells us, in answering this question, who can be, who can be protected by God? Anyone can dwell in the presence of God. That's the answer to that question. Anyone. Anyone who comes and says, Lord, would you protect me? Dear God, would you come and be my shelter? Can I come and dwell with you? Jesus made that obviously clear when he came and he said, suffer the children to come to me. When they were trying to push, the disciples were always, you know, focused on who could come to the prayer meetings. They were always focused on who could come and get healed and who could hang around. They're always like, no, 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 not you. You're, you're too diseased. Lord, he's got leprosy. He's going to get that all over us. He can't come in here. Jesus says, boys, Get out of the way. Bring him here. Be healed. Who can dwell? Anyone can dwell in the presence of God. Anyone can come and experience the wonderful protection of the Lord and experience proactive protection. That's him. That's, that's, that's God's heart. And we see that, of course, in the life of Christ and how he ministered. 
that was what was a, uh, a defining part of his ministry, which just totally caused the, the, the Pharisees to just get angry because they didn't like the idea that he preferred the poor. He preferred the broken and the outcasts, that he preferred the ones who would not measure up. So that, that should encourage our hearts today, especially if you're thinking, well, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't get as much of the wonderful shelter of God because I just don't deserve it. And that's not true. Anyone can receive the protection of God. Now, when we talk about dwelling, of course, I've already, I've already touched on this a little bit, but in, in my notes I'm talking about we need to practice the presence. Okay, You have to pre- practice the presence of God. And, and that's just a simple way of saying, you know, you need to learn to be familiar with the presence of God. So when you come to worship, you know, why, why do we come on Sundays other than to, to show your friend that you made it or to just get that person off your back? You know, hey, you need to come and visit Valley Community Church. Okay. If you just leave me alone, I'll finally come. I mean, no, you know, or to get, in, get involved in a small group. I mean, no, 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 no. What, what we're talking about here is that you're, you're able to get to the point where you value the presence of God, you sense it, and you participate in it, and you take advantage of what God wants to do at that moment. See, if, if you were out walking around during the time of Christ, and you saw Jesus coming, and you just said, oh, darn, I got to go see Jesus. Well, I got 10 minutes. I'll go over there and listen to him. And you go over there, and, and he's over there, and you see people getting healed. And it's just like, man, I got this limp, but I just don't have time for him to pray for me to get healed today. Oh, well, I, I'll catch him the next time. None of us would do that, would we? <laughs> no way. We'd run up there and embarrass ourselves. We'd push little children out of the way. and everybody have to, you know, We'd have to have you know, Peter and John rebuke us. Would you just settle down? He's going to get to you. You didn't hear about what he did in the last city where he healed everybody? Just chill. All right. But that's the way we, we would be. Come on. Of course that's the way we'd be. It'd be like Walmart before, you know, before a, a, a winter storm. Come on. But the truth is, when we think in terms of what is happening on a Sunday morning or what happens in a small group or what happens where any time two or three get together in his name, we devalue that. We don't always see that as a dwelling moment. And folks, we need to see it that way. Because I want to ask you a question. Where else does it happen? Does anybody else have a dwelling moment that I don't know about? And if you do, we'd love for you to invite us over. We'd we'd love to be a part of that. But I got a sneaky suspicion that you don't. In which case which is why we do what we do here in preparing the table, which is why we do everything to make this moment a moment of excellence for you, a moment where you can come and you hear from people that are preparing the place, preparing the presence of God, so you can walk in and you can hear this music, you know, and and you can just enter into the presence of God and you can immediately get under the dwelling and you can dwell with God and now you're in a place where everything can get unlocked and unloaded into your life. If you've ever asked a question why we have church, well, you know, sometimes we can get a little jaded. Sometimes you've had a bad experience. I was just talking with someone recently, and they just said they, it, when it was like a breath of fresh air when they came to a place where the presence of, excuse me, where the presence of God was valued. Valued. That's what God is looking for. 
That's how you get into a dwelling place with God, is you value him. And as if he were here in person, you run to him and you say, I'm here, I'm here to be with you. So who can be protected by whoever dwells? But I wanted to make that clear as to who is a dweller, okay? Number two, how can I receive God's protection? Because there's a lot of talk of protection here. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Look at this. I will save the Lord. He's my refuge. Man, a place where you can, I mean, I, don't you love that? When you come out of the world sometimes and you just feel like you've been beat up, you've been defiled, you've been, you know, you just feel like you got all the, the wait a minute vines and the stickers and the, and the things are all over you and you just feel a little dirty and, and the world has gotten on you. And then you can go to the Lord and go to that refuge, that place where you, you know you're safe. And more than that, a fortress where they can't get at you. You may be out in the open, but it's like, mm mm. Jesus walked through the crowds. They wanted to kill him. It's a very powerful part of that. It says he just walked among them and just, okay, see ya. They couldn't get to him. Why? <sighs> the fortress of God. My God, in whom I trust. It says, He will save you from the fowler's snare. Who's the fowler? The devil. He wants to capture you. He wants to capture you with his temptation. He wants to capture you with his lies. He wants to capture you and get your life. And that's what the fowler does, right? He catches birds. They're on the ground feeding. There's a net under their feet. They don't know it's there. And zoom, got them. Dinner. And the enemy not only wants to eat your lunch, he does want to eat you. He wants to make you dinner. And here it says that if we dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, if we're in his refuge, in his fortress, he says he's going to save us from the fowler's snare. He's going to keep the deadly pestilence away from it. What is that? That's the disease. Oh my gosh, you can't read in the news anymore about the flu. And there's this new virus that's coming up from South America. I think they just make that all up sometimes. Just to scare us into watching and reading and doing all that. I, I, I'm not 100% convinced that, but anyway. But, you know, you read that stuff and, oh, oh honey, come here. I can't move, Mom. Well, and so we live out of a lot of fear. But it says here, man, you know, when we walk and, and dwell in the presence of God, we don't have to worry about the deadly pestilence. We can trust God. He says he's going to cover you with his feathers. That's, a, of course, a... Uh, an anthropomorphism, it's a figure of speech, if you will. It's, 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 he, God doesn't have feathers, okay? He's not a chicken, all right? But the concept here of, of a mama bird just placing her wing over the chick is a very warm, protective place. That's what God will do for us, okay? So how can I receive it? It goes on, and it says, I will say, check this out. Verse 9, he says, if you will say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, because he's, he's starting to stack onto, he's trying to help us see. Matter of fact, verse 2, let me go back, because I jumped ahead. Verse 2, it, it, it starts with it. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. I will say. How do I get that moving? I believe it's there. I've read Psalm 91. I believe that I can dwell. I want to be in the presence of God. But how do I unlock this stuff? 
it gives us the clue right here. And we see this throughout Scripture, that so many of the wonderful promises of God are released when we do what? We speak it. We speak it. We believe it. We hear it with our ear. We believe it in our mind. We gather it into our heart, and then it comes out. And that is what, that's what makes faith a reality, by the way. And we know that. James teaches us that. Jesus taught his disciples that. He said, guys, speak to the mountain. Be picked up and thrown into the sea. Speech, absolutely key. So he says, I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. And I will bless those who acknowledge my name. He goes on. He says, because he loves me. And you know, when we talk about the love of God, of course, that is difficult to define. How do we love God? How do we love a God that we can't physically touch? Because we'd give him a big hug if we could. For all those who have the love language of touch, we're kind of getting ripped off a little bit. But the truth is, what we can do, what God sees as love is simply this, that we believe. We believe what he says. Isn't that in relationships when it comes to relationships, something that is so valuable in that relationship? You tell them a story, and they look at you, and they smile and say, that's a good story. But if they look at their watch, and they're looking at the door, and they look at you, and everything about them says, I don't believe a word you just said. I mean, that just tears your relationship up. It's just like there's no unity, there's no connection, there's nothing. It's like, I don't believe you. There's no, there's no unity, there's no connection. When we believe what God has said, that is one major way we show the love of, the love of uh, show God love. Is tell him, I believe you. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. You are my strength. Begin to personalize it. God says, look, I put it all on the line for you. I sent my only begotten son to save you, and I want to bless you. I want to protect you. But when are you going to start believing it? Because so many of us, we speak what is negative. We speak, I mean, it, it, it's, it's become a part of our culture sometimes to just say, oh, man, I just heard about a new virus. <laughs> I'm going to get it. <laughs> I'll be the first one to get that disease. Well, look, um, can I just say that's kind of stupid? You don't want to do that. That's not biblical. You know, I mean, and if you look at what the Bible says regarding that and the power of words over and over and over again, that's just begging and asking and making yourself a target. You need to be on the other side of that to say, nope, not going to happen in my house. No, no, not, that's not coming here. Because, um, because I dwell in the presence of, of my God. Because I have the presence of God, the, the Holy Spirit dwells in my heart, and I'm, I ask God to come and surround my home and to protect my children and surround them with favor as a shield. I ask, I believe, and I put those promises into motion. Words. And a confession, of course, is, is another way we can say that. Followed up by action. I'll say that God is my refuge. A place to hide from chaos in my fortress, a place to hide during attack. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to him. So how do we speak? We speak in response when it's challenged. When we read of something negative, that we actually speak and say, oh, no, 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 no. And Psalm 91 needs to be a regular part of your prayer, my friends. If it's not, if this is the first time you've ever heard of Psalm 91, can I just say, wow, open that baby up and start 
pouring in. Receive it. Speak it. Pray it over your family. Pray it over your children. Pray it over your coworkers and extended family. Speak when you feel that challenge come to speak it over yourself, over your friends. Speak it in response when you even sense you've heard from afar that the enemy might be beginning to, you know, is thinking about challenging you. You know, you don't just ignore it. Again, you, you send out the artillery fire. You begin to speak and say, oh, no, 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 no. I am going to dwell in the shelter of the Lord my God. And I'm going to rest in his shadow. I'm going to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And who's the Almighty? The one who has all power. He's my refuge, my fortress. He's going to rescue me from the fowler snare from the enemy. He's going to rescue me from the deadly pestilence. He's going to cover me. I'm not going to fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, the attack. I mean, you know, these shootings and whatnot, right? I mean, so much fear with that. People just going around and people buying guns left and right, which I have no trouble with that. Except, you know, years ago, I remember, and, and I don't know how this is going to sit with you, but I remember I had to leave at night to go to work at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was leave, leaving my little bride at home, at home all by herself. And, and I remember getting, my, I didn't have a handgun. I had this 12-gauge shotgun. I called it the Dove Slayer, and it was, it was all I had. And I put it up under the bed, and I loaded it for Andrea because we lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina, quite a bit of crime there. And I just, I, I, and so I got her, and I said, <laughs> she was just an itty-bitty thing, and, I, and she was holding this gun, and I remember looking at her and kind of chuckling, and I just said, okay. I said, honey, if somebody comes into the house and tries to break into the apartment, I want you to reach up under there, I want you to pull that thing back, click that button, and just let loose. I took all the stuff out, and I taught her how to pump it so that she could put another shell in if she'd need it, and she barely got through one pump, and I'm just here going... You're toast, honey. No, 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 I didn't. But I got convicted. I got convicted. The Holy Spirit came down on me like a lead balloon. And he spoke to my heart and he said, he, Dave, he just went, David, what are you doing? And I'm like, what, Lord? He said, do you believe me? Do you trust me or don't you? So my actions weren't really following my belief. And so I just said, okay. I said, you know what? I'm putting that gun away. Now, I know some of you are not going to like what I'm telling you, but this is good for you. I put that gun away in my, in, you know, and use it for what it was used for. And I use it a lot. But I put it in the closet, and I said, honey, I'm going to pray for you every morning before I go to work. And I'm going to take Psalm 91, and it's going to be our weapon. And that's what's going to be under the bed. And I said, right now, we just dwell together. And so every morning I leave, I just say, I just pray your, the, the, the protection of, ground, of, of surround you around our apartment. Man, may God be here. And I just, Lord, I just see an angel there and an angel there. And I just ask you to kick their butt if they try to walk through those doors right now in the name of Jesus. I'll tell you what, man, my faith just really took off. And it was a wonderful thing. So, you know, I, I'm all for guns and all that. But folks, look, that should be your secondary defense. Your first line of defense should be that you are a faith, power-believing, word of God walking in, speaking it out, Christian. Not enough amens in that. Not nearly enough. So I'm going to keep an extra hour here. Okay? So can I get an amen? Thank you. Thank you. I'll preach much faster now. All right. Speaking in prayer to let God know. 
He will call, it says, and I will answer. What does God answer except your call? Hello? And if you're not ever asking, do you think that God has just, you know, got a contract with you? And it's just like, gee whiz, I, well, I guess I better. I mean, yes, there is some of that just because you're, you're a child of God and you've given your life to Christ. But I've learned something about the truth that God just says, look, at some point you need to move your arm. At some point, your mouth needs to actually move. At some point, you need to actually grow in faith and stop just walking around just this assuming. And we all know what assuming does, right? Yeah. Speak to yourself. I'm talking about speaking here. How do we speak? We speak in response when we feel challenged. We speak in prayer to let God know. He will call, I'm going to call, and God will answer. And then I'm going to speak to myself. A reminder confession. The tongue is the overflow of the heart, isn't it? But the tongue, as we know, can also direct the heart. By speaking it, we confirm and solidify what we believe. The Word of God not only can affect that which is external and that which comes against us, it, it reminds the enemy, hey, look, don't mess with me. I'm a child of the King. He whipped your tail on the cross. He embarrassed you publicly, and now I am under his blood and covering. I'm sorry, but the angels are all on my side, not you. And so sometimes you just have to start speaking it over yourself, reminding yourself, reading Psalm 191 on a regular basis, and under your breath when you feel challenged, attacked. All right, moving on. What does this protection look like? It tells us a lot of wonderful words here. Let me just go over them again. Rest. How much is rest worth to you? How much would you pay for? Oh my gosh, people pay thousands. Outer banks, here I come. Mountains, here I come. Right? They, they write songs about it. Sailing. <laughs> anyway, refuge. Refuge, place where you can hide. Safety from the snare. You know, you can say, you know what? There is a snare up. There's a trap for me. There's a trap for me financially. There's a trap for me, and, and, and I just see it. I see it way ahead of time. I see it's a setup for me to lose my cool and embarrass myself. I see it as a setup for, to, to, you know, you know, debt. It can be that way. In uh, relationships that are unhealthy relationships can be that way. Setups, fowler's snares. He's going to protect us from that. Disease, no fear from attack. Sudden sickness. I'm going right through Psalm 91. S fear of sudden sickness and death. And it says here we're only going to observe it, not experience it. It says the angels will watch over us. They're going to lift us up. We can walk in dangerous situations and God will save us. Man, I'll tell you, I have experienced that so many times. I've had the pleasure, the opportunity, the privilege to travel overseas. I've been in some of the most dangerous places. I've had uh, AK-47s aimed at my head. I've had, I mean, just amazing things were just under my, tongue, under my breath. I'm just praying, Lord, Psalm 91, you're my refuge and you're my strength. Angels are here right now. Put your finger in the end of that barrel. Cause them to be blinded and not see. I could tell you story after story. Uh, going on. We will call, he's going to answer. I will be with you in trouble, he says. Now there's an interesting turn of the corner, isn't it? Because sometimes trouble 
is what we're called to walk through. Sometimes we've got to walk through trouble, and God is saying, look, you made a decision, and now you've got to walk through this. And that's okay, because all things work to good for those who are loved me and are called according to my purpose, and so I'm going to use this. We're going to use this as an opportunity. This is going to give you more spiritual muscle. But you know what? Don't tell me to take it away, because we've got to walk through this. I will be with you in the trouble. And he talks about long life. We must trust that God wants us to be blessed. See, and that is where it starts. See, Psalm 91, when we read it, we rehearse it, we speak it, and we walk in it, it, becomes, it begins to frame who God is to us. It frames it, it defines it, it solidifies it in us. Because there are so many different voices, including our own, that try to break down who God is. Most of that, of course, is the enemy, who wants just like Jesus, you know, standing before him, just like so many times that in the Bible, the enemy to Adam and Eve, did God really say? Is this what he really meant? If he can get us to doubt God's promises, then we don't get any of them. We gotta trust him. We must pursue his favor, folks. Today's message here is to encourage us to do what? To push. It's to take the word of God and make it practical. Stop for some of us that have been steeped in traditionalism, for some of us that have been looking only for the, the feelings and the warm and fuzzies, for some of you that have been, you, you've walked in this kind of, this, this platonic kind of relationship with God and thinking that religiosity was gonna do it. Can I just tell you, you've been sold a bill of goods, man. Because you're not gonna get any of what Psalm 91 is is, is offering to you until you do what it says. And that is it. I will say he is my fortress. I will say he is my refuge. I am going to speak it. I'm going to walk in it. Of course, we're going to glorify God by giving him the, cre giving him the credit in two ways. To let victory be a part of our story. And that's the wonderful thing. The more we walk in it, the more we become an example of it, the more we, we, we've got these testimonies, these tests that were turned into testimonies, and they're wonderful things. And they build up a legacy of God's favor rather than if I sat you down and said, tell me recently where God answered a prayer. Give me a minute. Well, can I call you tomorrow about that? That's, that's a sad thing. That's a sad thing. Because I know if I asked you the same thing and said, when was the last time you were challenged and you had a real difficulty in your life? You'd be like, can I give you 10? <laughs> We'd have a whole lot more of those, wouldn't we? Look, folks, if you haven't understood the way I preach, let me just remind you, I'm a coach, okay? Doesn't mean I don't like you. I love you, and that's why I'm speaking this. I'm for you. I'm driven to want you to be successful. So I'm not going to spare, you know what I mean? I'm not going to give you the all-participation trophy. I'm not going to say you did an awesome job in the game when you didn't. I'm going to look you in the eye and say, I love you, I'm for you, I want you to win. I want you to do your very best. To me, as a father, as a leader, 
that is showing you the most love. And that's just me, okay? I'm sorry I broke from script there, but I just look in some of your eyes. Sometimes it just went, what, what, why are you doing this to me, man? Look, I'm for you. You know, I've coached for a lot of years, and I've seen much more good come when I'm lovingly pushing the people that God places into my life rather than just say, ignore it. I mean, what good does that do you? All right. I mean, because really, God's that way too, isn't he? He is. Number four, does God guarantee my safety? Ah, because I knew it was coming to this. We need to finish. Does God guarantee my safety? Yes. But as many of us have learned, God's care may also involve him getting in the way of us to shut down a potentially dangerous decision. Sometimes we say, Lord, I thank you, you know, for this relationship. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this wonderful get-rich-quick scheme. I thank you for all these wonderful things that God places in, you know, that we think is a God thing, and God shuts it down. And we're just like, oh, he doesn't love me. He's not for me. I quoted Psalm 91 tw- 10 times. What's wrong with you, God? And God says, um, because I love you, I'm getting in your way. Because I love you, I'm shutting this door. Who shut it? I shut it, says the Lord. This can result in a very painful, sometimes a painful circumstance that in the end can help us walk. He will help us walk through it. And that's what he said. He says, I will be with you in trouble. Now, whether you made that trouble for yourself or the trouble just has us, how many know that's true? It's just like, man, I didn't, man, I didn't even move a muscle and it came knocking on my door. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a part of life. And those things come sometimes to test us, to give us opportunity. If I gathered a bunch of young men or young ladies for a game, and I sat them all down, and I said, look, we're going to have the greatest team that this city has ever had. And yay! Ah, bumping each other. You know, okay, so I tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to sit in this gym every single weekend. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, you're all winners, so there's no point with us ever playing a game. I mean, why take the chance of losing? And they'd be sitting there, "Eh, that makes sense. (laughs) Stupid sense, but sense. Right? That's not how you win. That's not life. You don't test things. You don't get stronger. You don't improve. You don't use what is in you that God has placed in you until you go out there and live it. Live it in your marriage, live it in your life, live it in your workplace. So God is, does God guarantee safety? To a point, he does. But there are times when we're called to walk through something. You know, this pastor, this Iranian pastor, you've probably read about him for the last couple of years. Or I, I, I think he's an American citizen, but he's Iranian blood, but he was being held in Iran. You, you know who I'm talking about? I, I don't have his name right off the bat. Some of you might. But he just got released, didn't he? And he never knew. I mean, he was that close to death many, many times. If we sat down with him and asked him if Psalm 91 was true, he would say, absolutely. Now. But six months ago, we'd ask him, is Psalm 91 true? He'd say, I believe it's true. I'm still believing it's true. Every day I have to remind myself that it's true. And it's a wonderful testimony because it did, he he did bring him out of that, didn't he? I mean, you know, God did. And he's on the ground in the United States and he's kissing the ground, I'm certain. 
Because we do know this verse is true when it comes to prayer. When it comes to Psalm 91, which is an Old Testament promise, which is, is, is exactly the very heart of God, and the people of God will discover it. it Jesus gave us through the heart of Paul. God gave us through the heart of Paul there in Romans 8, chapter 28, a, a, a wonderful, more inclusive, more, uh, it gives us a better view of all. We, we, were, we were shown the heart of God in all this when he said, all things work together for good. All things. In an Old Testament, if you're living in the Old Testament, when something bad happens, you just say, oh, God doesn't love me, and you stop reading Psalm 91. You stop going to church, and you just say, man, this is a bunch of bunk. But as a Christian, you read Psalm 91, and when something difficult comes, you say, you know what? I'm not giving up on God. There is something he's after in me. In the case of God rebuking me, and I often thought, I, matter of fact, I, I, I rebuked this guy one time who was a friend, and, and he, had a, he had a handgun, and I know I'm getting into all this gun stuff, but he just, when he heard me share that testimony, he walked right up to me, got right in my face, and he said, you're a fool. Why would you do that? You have a gun for a reason, son, and you should walk, and you should wear it proudly, and, you know, and I just looked at him, and I said, look, I said, my God is powerful. And I said, and I just came right back at him. I said, buddy, when you expect attack, that's what you're going to get. When you expect to have to use that particular weapon, then guess what? God just says, oh, you, you want to do it that way? Okay, I'll give you a few of those experiences. Do you really want those experiences? A couple months later, guess what? He was stopped at a park, uh, stoplight, and a guy walked right up, opened his door, and said, give me all your money with a gun pointed right at him. Guess what? He couldn't get to his handgun. Because sometimes you just don't have enough time. It was on him. And I looked at him. I lovingly said, I said, dude, you should have been praying rather than loading. Now, I think you can pray and load in case you're tempted to walk up to me after this message is over. <laughs> I am not armed. But there are a few people here who are, but we won't get into that. Um, uh, we do have uh, what we call guardian angels. But, but not without prayer. Not without prayer. I think you need to be armed up with more prayer than you, you need to in other things. Okay? Well, I kind of got into it this morning, honey. But anyway, the point is this. The point is this. Psalm 91 is, a, is, is right there, ready for you to, to use it, to pull the trigger. <laughs> it's ready for you to walk in it. And how do we get it? By speaking it. How do we experience it? By believing it. And rejoicing when we see it happen. Folks, I wish I could get up here and say, and not another bad thing is going to happen to you because you go to Valley Community Church. Now, I pray that. After 21 days of fasting, I prayed for this to be a divorceless church. I prayed for this to be a diseaseless church. I prayed all God's blessing on everybody here because this is, this is my sphere of influence. This is my, uh, my jurisdiction, if you will. And I just prayed it as a pastor. I prayed it, prayed it, prayed it. I wish I could get up here and say none of it's going to happen. But when it does happen, folks, pull out your word, man. It's time to get loaded up. It's time to be proactive in prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning. If I could have our prayer teams please come.
I want to pray for you. And it's just going to take a moment here because I'm way over time. But Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, if I've offended one, anyone here today, Father, let it just before, Lord, anyone would make a judgment call. Lord, we want to bring truth to your door. Lord, what are you speaking to us today? What are you speaking to us? The truth is, Lord, so many of us, God, including myself, God, we need to grow in maturity when it comes to prayer. Lord, we need to tap into the power of your word. Lord, let Psalm 91, God, become a regular part of our prayer. Lord, to believe it, to hold on to it, to speak it, to read it over our children, to read it over our spouses, to read it over those that we hear of that, that, that are in the mission field, that, that are giving their lives, that are serving in, in vocation. Lord to, to, Lord, to understand and to believe and to hold on to those truths that lie within. Father, I thank you today that you are our shield. You are our refuge. We will say of the Lord, we will say of the Lord, you are our strength. You're going to surround us with your favor as a shield. You're not going to let the, the deadly pestilence that stalks at night come near our dwelling. Proactive. Lord, I'm not going to believe or trust or, or invite the arrow that fly, flies by day, the attack of the enemy. Nope, I'm going to walk right through it. I'm believing, God, for your protection. I'm putting my hope in you today. That's what we will do, God. So, Lord, I thank you. Bless us, keep us, make your face shine upon us today as we go walking in your favor or challenge us deeply by the Spirit of God and all that we've heard today. In Jesus' name, amen.